Hey guys and welcome to or back to the Pause in Pursuit podcast with your host Summer Clark. So today I'm going to be talking to Megan Hunt as she answers all your questions that I posted on Instagram um, a few days ago all about agility dog fitness. We cover topics such as conditioning, how to keep our agility dogs fit in between agility, um, stuff like physio. Obviously Megan is a physio student, she's studying vet physio at uni and she also does people as well so that's super interesting. So without further ado let's get straight into the conversation. For those who don't know who you are, do you want to just like introduce yourself, what you do, what you study, stuff like that? Okay, uh, I'm Megan. Um, I am doing a master's degree in veterinary physiotherapy for dogs and horses. I compete in agility, have done since I was four, I think, my first competition was. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, yeah, long time. (laughs) That is a very long time. Yeah. Right, so we've got 16 questions that everyone wanted to know. So the first one is, how do you build your agility dog's stamina slash endurance? So... It's going to sound, well, obvious when you hear it, but just, I think, taking your dogs out on a walk. Yes. Letting them have sprints if they're in a pack or if they're on their own. Mm -hmm. You can do loads with them just out on a walk. Just normal sniffing about in the woods. They're jumping over logs and whatever else they're doing, splashing about in water. Bit of free hydrotherapy. Yes, that's true. So, obviously, you can build it with agility. Doing agility itself. Mm -hmm. Um. But yeah, building stamina, you just it comes over time. Obviously, you can put in a bit more effort if your dog's lazy out on a walk. True. Um, <laughs> but I think, yeah, with most of my dogs, they're lunatics anyway. So yeah. they end up building their own stamina and endurance just from training and out on walks. Yeah. I mean, I feel like Arrow gets most of his exercise just running around the field when I take him on a walk. Like, if he didn't have that, he'd probably be really unfit. So it makes sense. But it's literally, think... yeah, so Time, my competing dog, yes. she, when she was younger, was a lunatic on a walk. Mm. You'd never see her. And now as she's got a bit older, she's glued to my leg. She doesn't oh, do okay. anything. We're constantly yeah. like, you're not going to be fit. Run around. Yeah. <laughs> another <laughs> she thing... needs a bit more effort. But... Yeah. Another thing I do with Arrow, but I'm assuming this is more like speed and power, is like I'll, on a walk, I'll just leave him in a weight, run off, and then like release him, and he'll like sprint after his ball from a standstill. Yeah. So is that, that's more like uh, speed and power, isn't it, really, than stamina, I suppose, but... Yeah, that's a bit more, yeah, acceleration yeah, work. Yeah, yeah. That would be endurance, but, I mean, you look at, I don't know, we'll say pet dog in yeah. quotation mm-hmm. marks. Um, I mean. They go out on a walk, but I know my boyfriend's dog wouldn't be able to do some of the walks that my dogs could do and no, be very get back mm. his dog be dead <laughs> yeah well my terriers can't do it now they can't keep up with arrow no, no way <laughs> no chance so yeah i think they're building natural endurance yeah. and from working anyway quite a simple solution there then hopefully <laughs> so number two is how do you prevent injury in an agility dog it's quite a difficult one i reckon that's a bit of a broad one isn't it yes exactly because they can, like, hurt themselves, like you said, just on a walk or something anyway, couldn't they? It's not necessarily an agility, yeah. and often it's not, I feel. All of my dogs, bar one, all of their injuries have been normal day-to-day stuff. Yeah. We've only had one dog who fractured his outer toe Ow. somewhere on the horse. We don't know where, but it happened, I think, as he took a jump and turned. Mm. Um, all of the other ones have all been, like, out on a walk, uh, run into a tree, stupid things like that yeah um, same with arrow in an injury i mean 
obviously making sure your dogs are fit. So it's back to the first question. Mm -hmm. If you haven't done agility with your dog over COVID, so yes, mine true. two years out because she, mm -hmm. she had a normal injury after, you're not just going to go put them back straight up to full height, doing a 20 obstacle course training and going on two hour training day. Yes, true. That's that obviously going to cause injury. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's making it. sure you build it up. Mm -hmm. Um, it's an, a sport for them, is it? Yeah, They're athletes. No, so mm -hmm. you're not going to, even an elite athlete that's a human, they haven't done anything in three years and they go out and do a sprint, they're going to hurt themselves probably. Yeah, definitely. So making sure they're warmed up before mm -hmm. you work them. Yes, yeah. I think I have a few questions on warm-ups as well. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I know they're coming, so yeah. I don't want to overlap too much. But yeah, True. warming them up before they run calling them off when they finish mm -hmm. before you shove them in the van or the car yes true because i see a lot of people just get their dog straight out do it and then put them back and yeah. it makes me cringe a little bit because i'm like mm, they must be all like stiff and horrible i know and then they wonder why they're not winning yeah yeah <laughs> yeah they wonder why the dog's really slow and groggy <laughs> yeah imagine you just whopping up out of bed in the morning just going straight out on a jog i mean yeah, some I'll, people I'd do it myself. to be fair but Crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. Okay, so why is physio important for agility dogs, in your opinion? So obviously this is what you're studying and stuff, so... Yeah. I'm going to add emphasis on that, in my opinion. Yes. So obviously everyone's is different. Mm -hmm. um, so obviously I think physio has been relatively a new thing in the sense of 10 years or so, 10, mm. 15 years for maintenance and agility dogs and competition sporting dogs, because mm -hmm. obviously it's it was main purposes with vets and rehab stuff. But I think with maintenance, I've learned with my own dog that I didn't, I put my hands up when I was younger. She didn't have physio until she had an injury. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until I learned properly what it did and how it works and why it's useful that I started to then get regular checkups. Yeah. Same with Ethel. Like it took thinking, oh, she's walking strange to actually go and start getting her done. And then I started doing it regularly. And I was like, oh, I probably should have been doing this for longer. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people think physio is just for injury. But actually, oh, back to the last question, preventing injury, I suppose. Mm -hmm. um, having regular checkups is important. They could have a slight niggle that's not even bothering them at the moment. Yeah. But if you leave it six months later, that could then become an injury. Yes, no, yeah, that's true. Yeah, noticing things straight away pretty much as well. Yeah, exactly. So you're not always going to notice. I know with time, she's a dog that would try and not be lame if only she had two yeah. legs. Yeah. She mm -hmm. wouldn't hide, mask, anything possible. So I think a lot of dogs are like that. So yeah. having physio will know Yeah. yeah <laughs> if there's anything that the dog's not showing. Yeah. So I think it is important in that sense. I'm not saying everyone has to get it done because sometimes money constraints, you can't. Yes, true can't afford it mm -hmm. um but if you can i think it's a valuable resource and thing to go to noticing differences like even subtle differences of building muscle you don't see it day to day mm, yes but that's true but even as far as like the cost goes like how regularly i don't know if this is a question but it just popped in my head how <laughs> regularly would you say to get it done because i get arrow done about every two months um, I know some people do it every month, but if you can't really afford it, could you do it like maybe three times a year and it'd be better than nothing? Or does it sort of have to be more regularly to actually work? Or I'd definitely say so. So I knew this question would come up, but 
So when I had time and she was in like full competition, like throughout the season, I would take her every four to six weeks. Mm -hmm. But that's because she always gets a tight spot in her back. And we tried to extend our time of having physio to know when this tight spot was then apparent again. Oh, okay. So roughly when I knew that she would be getting tight so that it never did. Oh, okay. um, but that's just something specific. And I had the means to be able to do it. I'd say if you can't afford it regularly throughout the year, just even like a pre-season checkup and a post-season yes, yeah. checkup. Mm -hmm. So most it's hard to have a proper winter break now because obviously we have like yeah. crafts and a year and everything in the middle. Yeah. Uh, but most dogs will have a period of a break, mm -hmm. normally over winter-ish. Yeah. So even if you just have it at the end of your competing part, have a post-season checkup, they have four or five weeks off, mm -hmm. get them again for a pre-season checkup. Um, and then if you feel like in the middle of the season, oh, I've got money, I'll go take them for a checkup, then do. Yeah. I often I think, think that all the important stuff should be like near the end of the season so we can like warm up and get ready for it and train for it and then have it <laughs> because it coming like you have your winter break and then it's crofts. <laughs> yeah. So that's quite hard. difficult but it's not like it used to be you have no. to have like proper season was like what May till September and yeah. then you'd have the rest off. Yeah. And people want to be training like constantly through the winter like May the most so they're like yeah. ahead of everyone when they come back so it's tricky. Yeah. But yeah, I'd say two three times a year would be more beneficial than never yeah yeah so that kind of takes away the cost element slightly yeah. if that's what if that's people's sort of reasons not to get it done i suppose yeah because you can always put some money aside even if it's like 10 pounds yeah month. no that's it yeah it's you worth every it four months. yeah do your dogs get a winter break then yes they yeah. do mm -hmm. um especially if i'm not competing at olympia or cross or anything she'll have like most of december bit of january off yeah yeah. Do you find um, they come back better after it? Because I've noticed after a little break, Arrow, you know, he often comes back more enthusiastic and sort of, and Ethel was the same, like faster almost. Yeah, they're almost kind of like chomping at the bit to do it yeah. again. So mm. it's hard to say with time because I only worked out the other week. She's actually only had like three and a half seasons in the ring. Oh, really? She's eight. But oh, it's wow. because she had like two and a half years off. Yeah, no, that's so true. She had, she had COVID off. And then she had an injury, so she had the next season completely off. Oh, okay. And she came back and had like a couple of months, and then I was at well, I've been at uni and yeah. I do part time, so I'm, I go at the weekends. Mm -hmm. So I did compete. So I was just doing like the odd bit of training and stuff, keeping her going and working on bits and bobs at home. Yeah. Um, I'm lucky to have my own stuff, but yes, true. yeah, she actually didn't come back. So then when I put her back in the ring. She was like mental, and I couldn't even work because my timing was so yeah. out. She was off the rounds. It's hard to know whether it's mental or physical. Like that, that rest does good for him, but maybe a bit of both, I suppose. I'd say a bit of both. Mm. It's like you always have to have a rest day if you go to the gym. Yeah, you can't yeah. Go every day forever. You're yeah. gonna get tired. Yeah, <laughs> probably gonna hurt yourself again. Back to yeah. the other question: Does being yeah. away at uni like make it harder to sort of keep up your, you know, training, like um, conditioning and stuff for your dogs? A hundred percent. Like my poor little wicked, she's two next month. Oh, she's been reflected with her training. Oh. <laughs> she's not nearly weaving. Haven't done contacts yet. I just haven't had the time. Yeah. But I haven't minded too much. Like I did all of her foundation stuff mm -hmm. and then I was getting time back ready 
from injury and bringing her back and obviously wanted to do champs and GB tryouts and stuff. Yes, so I gave yeah. Wicked about three months off, really. Oh, OK. Yeah. I just let her sort of grow. Yeah, I was going to say, there's a lot about, isn't there, about, you know, doing too much too soon anyway. So I feel like it's it's yeah. better to be sort of a bit behind in quotation marks than rushing it, it at this point. So yeah, definitely. can't be a bad thing. It helped her mentally. She's yeah. very much a, a puppy in her brain still. Yes. She thinks she's yeah. only eight weeks. It overwhelms so, them as well, doesn't it, if you do too much too soon? Yeah, it did her the world of good, personally. But then, obviously, with time, she was out at 18 months doing everything. So Yeah, yeah, it's individual, isn't it? Very much different for dogs, I think. Yeah, same with uh, Ethel and Arrow, big difference. But, again, mostly to do with their, you know, headspace, more than their physical yeah. abilities. But... Right, so, where am I? How often do you... Oh, we already did this. How often do you yeah. recommend agility dogs receive physio? So, put co if we put costs aside, how... If it was free, for example, how often would you If you say... got a cheeky little sponsorship. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, that'd be nice, um, wouldn't it? If cost wasn't an element, mm -hmm. I'd, I personally would do four to six weeks. Mm -hmm. Eight weeks, I think, is fine. It is very dog-dependent, so time... I think, yeah, we went between four to six, mm -hmm. um, depending on how much she was doing. If she had a winter break, then I'd probably only go once over my whole winter break and mm -hmm. then do her again, coming back into competition, yeah. back to training, making sure that she's still doing all right. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, the cost wasn't ever a thing, time wasn't a thing, and you could go whenever you wanted at your own leisure. Yeah. I'd probably say four to six weeks. Okay. Eight if your dog... I'm not saying for younger dogs that they don't need to go as much, mm -hmm. uh, but they don't tend to hopefully be having much, um, I don't know what the word is, not as many restraints Nickels. on their body. So obviously yeah. as you go up the grades, the courses get harder, the dogs yes, are having a, a lot more strain through their body. Mm. So obviously you've got a really good dog and they're three years old, they're already at grade seven, time was, so she was putting all that through her body. Yes. Um, they're a lot younger, so... Hopefully more fit. Yeah, that is very true. <laughs> cool. So, are there different levels? I found this question quite hard to understand, but I think I get it. So, are there different levels of physiotherapy, e.g. short or longer sessions, light or deep massage, and maintenance versus treatment? So, I suppose the different kinds of things people want out of it, if that makes sense. So you're not just going saying, I want physio for my dog. You're like the goals of for different dogs. I think that that's how I took it. Yeah. So obviously maintenance versus treatment. Mm -hmm. If you have, if you've got a dog that needs, needs treatment for something specific that the vet has said you need to go to physio for, mm -hmm. we have to follow a vet's guidelines. Okay. But obviously we will liaise with the vet and we'll do what we feel necessary as long as the vet has consented it mm -hmm. so a treatment session you can have on a maintenance case so i don't know you go and your dog's got a sore back you can laser it so that's classed as a treatment but it's for the purpose of maintenance uh, okay yeah i get it that makes sense so yeah you can have an injury mm -hmm. and you're rehabbing from an injury or a surgery or anything it doesn't have to be an agility dog yeah you're rehabbing from something so mm -hmm. obviously all your sessions are going to be treatment sessions because yeah they've got a main goal at the end and mm -hmm. it's to rehab or get back to function and fitness. Cool. If you've got a dog, like a, a normal agility dog that's just going to physio for maintenance purposes, mm -hmm. 
you're then going so you may have some treatment elements within your sessions like using massage using laser pulse mag whatever so they're classed as treatments but it's for a maintenance purpose so kind of all physio is kind of maintenance i suppose because you're doing it for a prolonged period of time kind of yeah i suppose so so a lot a dog can have a surgery like a tpla surgery for cruciate come in mm-hmm. will have physio sessions to rehab it that person may choose never to come back yes but true. it's been treated and it's fully back to function so they may, they may not deem necessary to come back whereas yeah. i think most yeah. agility dogs will come just for maintenance purposes of they're tight loosen them off they've pulled a muscle here let's sort that out la 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 yeah Obviously, if it turns into something a bit more sinister, we have to go not touching it, go back to the vet and then come back to me. Yeah, that's true. And I suppose it depends on whether it, the do- like what problem the dog has as to whether it's a yeah. short or long session. So I suppose, again, it's like massage probably takes a certain time, laser takes a different time, stuff like that. Yeah, I think a lot of physios, so you'll have like your consultation session is normally longer and then you'll have your... Um, like regular sessions of coming back that are normally a bit shorter than your first one. Oh, okay. Um, I think quite a few physios, so you'll have like 45 minutes or an hour mm-hmm. for your slot and you'll do whatever you deem necessary within that. Mm-hmm. Um, some people offer just like laser appointments. Okay. Uh, especially for like rehab cases, um, mm-hmm. more so in horses, I think it happens if you have like their hox lasers and stuff. Yeah. But that can happen with dogs and they just offer a laser session. So they don't have to pay for the full physio session if they're just on like a laser program. Oh, I see. Okay. But, and then, yeah. Someone put light versus deep massage as part of that question, which obviously I don't really understand how massage works. But does that make sense to you, light versus deep? <laughs> in a sense, yes, but yeah. you won't be able to demand that in a session. No. Yeah. They kind of blend into one. So obviously you always start with a lighter massage to warm up the muscles. Mm-hmm. And then if you feel you need to go deeper, then you will. It's yeah. hard to just go, oh, I'm only applying light massage and I'm not going to go into any deep massage. Mm. Or, yeah, it's massage. You can go lighter and deeper. And there yeah. is two different techniques of different pressures. But it's not going to be something that I'll go to a physio session and say and demand I want deep massage. Yeah, yeah. Or, it's just whatever you feel you need as you're doing it I suppose if you get someone coming to you with an agility dog that has no problems it's just like generally for maintenance that might be lighter for example than if you're trying to treat something or like because Ethel had a issue with her quad so every time she'd go to physio she'd have to release her quad so she worked specifically on like releasing her quad and it looked quite sort of like that deep sort of pressure she was putting on it which she didn't sort of do to the rest of her body um is that sort of maybe what what it what it's like? Yeah. So obviously, as you say, you have a tight muscle. Yeah. You'll start off with light. Um, I'm not going to go for it all, but you'll start off with light massage. Yeah. And can get deeper because as you're warming up the tissues, they're releasing off, so yes. it allows you to go deeper. It's mm-hmm. not like you're forcing it to go deeper. Mm. It's as you're working through it, you're releasing it off, so yeah. it, it just lets you go deeper. Oh, okay. It's sort of a natural thing then, instead of you yeah. thinking, right, I'm going to go for this one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. so it's not like, oh, this one definitely needs 
deep massage it's just as you're going through it, it probably looked like she was putting more pressure on because you needed it yeah then it's not that she can't get as deep on the quad than she can anywhere else it's just it allows it um a bit more easier because yeah. it's not right yeah i suppose she's warmed it all with the light massage and then yeah yeah that makes sense well, yeah cool so do dogs have to rest leading up to a physio appointment and if so for how long so i'm this is quite interesting because um ethel's physio said that she had to think have so if her session was at like lunchtime she'd have to have no exercise in the morning leading up to that is that something that you also recommend um so obviously i'll reiterate everything's opinion oh, based yeah, here yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um I wouldn't say so, no. Okay. With all of my dogs that have had physio, they can go out for a walk in the morning and then go to a session. Or, I mean, if they're going to go, I think if they've even done like a training session in the morning and then they've been physioed that evening. Okay. And physio and the work that you do with it is to help release and everything like that. So it's not in the sense of they can't work or do anything and mm. then go and have physio. Like, oh, if you okay. went to the gym in the morning yeah. and some do a massage in the afternoon, you're not going to say no. Yeah, like, it feels yeah no, nice. that's true, yeah. It might be better, it actually. <laughs> yeah, so when you go to the gym, you're going to stretch off after and you'll have a hot shower that night and mm-hmm. to help soothe the muscles. So I think it's going to be the same yeah. thing. Yeah, dogs. that's true. And then, like, on the other side of that is how long after receiving physio can dogs resume their normal activity? So, again... Do you um, sort of prescribe dogs you treat uh, rest after the physio? Again, for Ethel's physio, um, she used to say, give it a day. So the day after her massage would be a rest day. You know, don't let her run around or do agility or anything like that. So I think it's different for everyone. Mm. It's a sense of normal activity, I'd say, a normal dog. So not any work. Mm -hmm. So when my dogs have physio that day... So say they have physio in the morning, mm-hmm. they will go out for a walk that day. But if they're a nutter, I'll put them on the lead, oh, okay. make sure they're pulling around, or tearing off, turning and or barging around or whatever. Yeah. So they'll go on the lead for that day and they'll resume normal walks the following day. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd probably leave about 48 hours before I work them again. Okay. So it's in the sense of agility. Yes. Pliable or whatever work you do. Mm-hmm. So normal activity in the sense of a normal dog, mm-hmm. I'd say fine about 24 hours after. It's yeah. not that they can't go out for a walk or whatever else. If I just take time out on her own, I'm not going to put her on the lead. She doesn't do anything. Okay, she, yeah. Like, she can yeah, go out she for a walk. Herself, yeah. yeah, she trots off and has a sniff. Mm. All loosening her off, it doesn't matter. If it's wicked, she goes on the lead. She tears yeah. around like an idiot. Mm-hmm. That would be our <laughs> So she'll go on the lead that day. The next day, she can go off, be fine, mm-hmm. potter around, whatever. Yeah, okay. The day after that, I would, if I feel I want to, I can do some work. Yeah, okay. Is that to do That's with sort of the the muscles being sort of loose and released after massage? Like what's sort of the reasoning behind giving that rest? Are that they're more prone to injury after it? Um, I wouldn't say it's that they're more prone to injury, but if you think of what we do in massage and physio in the sense of going into the tissues, releasing of tissues, mm-hmm. we maybe we're causing inflammation in that. Yes, yeah. So yeah. 
you often like when you come back from away from physio when you first go they'll say you might feel some heat there Mm -hmm. they might seem quite lethargic Um, they may drink more water Mm -hmm. the following day they might seem not stiff but they could they could be sore it's not to say that dogs will be and all dogs won't Mm -hmm. it's they could be so as a precautionary it's don't do anything because we've gone and worked on their bodies it's not like they've gone if you work a dog however many times you train in the week you're not going to train every day you're not going to go to the gym every day you need rest days because you're much sore from mechanical loading but we've caused near enough the same thing Mm. yeah true we're causing heat and inflammation in there yeah i know that sounds bad but it doesn't it does it's bad (laughs) good heat and inflammation yeah they need to rest if you go for a massage you feel sleepy after yeah and they can't tell us either can they like they can't tell us whether they're sore or not so i suppose we need to kind of assume that they probably are and just just in case if that makes sense yeah that's the main thing i forgot to say at the beginning i'm a sports therapist for humans so okay (laughs) um yeah so when i have people in for sports massage they say can i go to the gym tomorrow Mm. and i say it's completely up to you you're probably going to be sore so you might not want to yeah have a nice hot shower and chill out yeah they all go i went to get up i was really sore yeah i didn't go to the gym i left it a couple of days and then went back but us as people, we can decide what we want to do. Yeah. If we're dog. in pain, we're not going to do anything. But mm. most of our dogs, apart from the little stubborn ones, if you mm. ask them to do something, they're going to do it. Even if they are in pain, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Like, with time, she'll mask anything. Yeah. She, she's sore, she's in pain, she's, she's, she's going to make the effort to do it. Yeah, bless her. <laughs> They just want to please us, don't they? <laughs> yeah. So it's just a precautionary. They're probably going to be sore and a bit yeah. sleepy. Cool. So, um... This one is about warming up. So how long before your run should you warm your dog up and how should you warm your dog up? So opinion-based as well. Absolutely. I think all of them pretty much are, to be fair. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So I've always warmed them up about 20 minutes, half an hour before I know I'm going to run. You can use techniques of massage and et cetera, et cetera. A lot of people do, but a warm-up can also be take them out into the exercise area, mm-hmm. let them go and sniff and have a wee and a poo if they need to, um, start letting them trot around, start playing with your toy, start mm-hmm. jogging around with them, like you would with a person. Yeah. Be like um, a general warm-up, I don't know, when you were in PE, you're not mm-hmm. all there massaging yourself. No. Like, <laughs> there's other ways. So obviously, because I know what I'm doing, I will use some massage techniques yeah. in the area that I know time gets tight or whatever else make yeah. sure that they're nice and warmed up but you don't have to mm, yeah it's getting the muscles and the tissues warm mm-hmm. you can do that taking them on a little walk before they go yeah jogging around in circles with them getting them doing tricks and playing with the toy mm. um once they're warmed up getting them to sit in a weight release sprint to the toy getting them using their muscles properly like yeah. they would do ring. Often I found the warm-up actually gets them more, like, mentally warmed up as well, if that makes sense. Like, it's yeah. part of it is getting them to focus as well. So it's all, like, little tricks and stuff like that, like you said. Yeah, using their brains, focusing them, waking them up. It's like you're not going to drag yourself out of bed and be wandering to the ring going, oh, where yeah. am I going? Yeah, you'll, you'll never know, probably yeah. probably get much sense out of them. So, yeah, just getting them up, taking them for a wee, a poo, um, you st- don't see it as much anymore with the amount of dogs that used to toilet in the ring and you think, yeah. well, I am 
car. Yeah, them out. they've definitely just got out the car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I'm too paranoid Playing with your toy, <laughs> jogging around in circles, both directions, bit of sprint work, and then you can take them to the ring and let them chill out for a bit, just keep them walking. You'll see often around a champ ring, everyone's just strutting their dogs up and down in circles it's just yeah. they've warmed them up they're just keeping them moving yeah i was gonna say about so if you warm the dog up like say half an hour before you run can your dog then just sit there in the queue for like 10 minutes or do you need to keep that that going so they don't like stiffen back up or how long does it sort of take them to cool cool down again if that makes sense if you so i stop? think obviously i warm my dog up half an hour 20 minutes before i run mm. that can take about 10 15 minutes yeah, by the time true. she's wandered around had a pee, had a poo, mm. and then warmed her up, and I'm like, right, I'm ready to go to the ring. So I'll be around the ring. You can obviously queue, they're fine, but you can still do tricks and everything mm-hmm. whilst they're in queue, or you can say, can you hold my space, or get someone to queue. Um, and I normally just walk up and down, just keep her trotting, walking in circles, just keeping her moving. It's not that they will stiffen up in 10 minutes. They won't. They'll be okay. Yeah. Um, but if it's outside or in a winter show and it's freezing cold, just put their coat back on them, put their yeah. jumper back on, mm-hmm. keep the tissues warm. Um, that's what it's more about. And then even if, I don't know, there's 12 dogs in the queue and I've joined at 12, I maybe then will leave her alone until three, four dogs before I go yeah. in and yeah. get her attention back, start getting her doing tricks. Yeah, that's why it's good to have a groom as well. Like, when my mum's there with me, I'll be like, I'll ask my mum to um, stand in the queue where I was and then go off and just walk him around a little bit and stuff like that. So that's kind of helpful there. Yeah. It is easier, but obviously yeah. you can do it on your own. Oh, yeah, you've got yeah. Like, behind you, you'll be like, oh, I'm just in front of you, I'm just going to yeah. pop over there, warm them up a little bit, Yeah. normally fine with it. Yeah, um, that's it. I've always had to do that with time because she's reactive, so she's fine to queue, but yeah. especially... She was younger. I was much happier uh, to go and buy a trade stand or behind yeah. one. <laughs> oh, bless her. <laughs> Get her out the way. Another thing I've heard is like, um, not massage, but like sort of just rubbing up and down like the legs and over the back and stuff like that to get the blood flowing. And that's not that's not obviously massage, but it is sort of, you know, getting the, getting the blood well, flowing. Is that something you do, you know, like just stimulating everything? Yeah, so it's not that it's not massage because obviously what, I won't go into all of it, but massage technically is stroking mechanics. Yeah, Yeah. Pretty much what it is. So, yeah, with time, I'll make sure I go over, like, her muscles along the back of her spine. That's where she gets quite tight in there. Mm -hmm. Um, Just making sure I can go over. I can feel some heat in there. They're getting warm um, over her back legs and her shoulders. Even, yeah, you're just stimulating it. You're making sure the tissues are warm. If you go and rub your arm when you're cold that's how you warm up yeah, so yeah I will do that as well when she gets out and then I'll go and warm her up mm-hmm. do it a bit more and keep moving but the most important main thing is getting them moving yeah I suppose you can be like, the best way to warm up their tissues yeah I suppose you can like feel the muscles go a little bit softer as well do you get what I mean when you're yeah. sort of rubbing over them and, and stuff like that so yeah Cool. So the next one is cool down. So do you have to cool your dog down as soon as you leave the ring? And how should you cool your dog down? So I'll always cool her down before I put her back in the Mm -hmm. van or vehicle or whatever you're putting them in caravan. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not you necessarily have to do it as soon as you leave the ring, but before you go and put them in a cage. Yeah. You have cooled down first. Yeah. So cool down a lot of people... Well, not a lot of people. Some people might think it's until they stop panting. It's not that. A dog's oh, going to yeah. pant when it's hot. No, yeah. It doesn't 
yeah. So it's just making sure you're cooling those tissues down. They've gone round a 17 to 20 obstacle course. Mm-hmm. Um, they've had to do a lot more work than what we have. Yes, definitely. So when they come out, their tissues are all fired up. They've been contracting here, there and everywhere. Mm-hmm. If you just go and shove your dog back in the van and go, oh, it's done now, it's going to get all stiff and tight. The muscles are so, like, you're, they're so full of adrenaline. They need to mentally cool down yeah. as well. Yes, true. And it's the same of, if you've got a 10-minute walk back to your car mm-hmm. because you're parked... <laughs> KCI. <laughs> <feet away, laughs> yeah. That walk where they're nice and cool, relaxed, walking back to the vehicle. Mm-hmm. Stop, let them have a sniff and a wee. Mm-hmm. For a lot of dogs, if they've just done 30-second run, you know, I'm not saying that's not enough, because it could be if you're a 10-minute walk away. Yeah, yeah, true. That's quite a long, nice walk to stretch off. It's just yeah. allowing them to stretch off and calm back down, Yeah. let their muscles stop firing like they were before. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I'll normally walk her back through the exercise area, let her mm-hmm. off, let her go and have a sniff. They'll stretch themselves off. Yeah. Give her a drink and yeah. then pop her back. Because often I'll come out the ring, get Arrow, and then someone will come, like, this has happened before, where someone comes to talk to me, you know, about the run or whatever, and then we're talking for, like, 10, 15 minutes, and then I'm like, oh, Arrow's just been stood here for, like, 10 minutes. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Is that... And then I'd, I'd cool him down, obviously, before I put him back away. Is that... Does that matter? You know, is that 10, 15 minutes of just no, standing there fine. after the run? Is that... Is that all right? If you, I don't know, you come out of the gym and you're going to stand there for a little while, you might be chatting to someone before you go. Yeah. It's fine. You may feel, I don't know if you've done leg day, you've got jelly legs, but yes. yeah. they're not working to that sort of extent where you're yeah. putting all that force and load on. So mm-hmm. standing there, ball in their mouth or turning around and watching the ring or mm-hmm. whatever is fine. Just make sure you're letting them, allowing them to stretch off before you're constraining them to a cage. Yeah, so as long as it's before you put them away, then it's not too yeah. serious as to when. Yeah, if you're out for 20 minutes, wandering around the rings, having a little look, watching friends run after you've run, mm-hmm. you can go and put them back. They've been walking around the rings. Yeah, like, yeah. It's just it. allowing them the ability to stretch off naturally yeah. before and lay down and in a cage yeah so it doesn't have to be like this strict regimental thing as long as they're moving then it's fine yeah some mm. people will yeah so some people were like i've just come out the ring let me deal with my dog yeah which is Fair great enough, yeah, you know, yeah. Fine. but sometimes it's fine to come out of the ring and you're like oh i'm gonna go watch my mum run so yes, you're yeah. gonna wander off to ring whatever watch mm-hmm. them run and then you're gonna wander back to the van let them have a wee whatever else it's just as long as you're not just Literally getting them out of the van, putting them in the ring and putting them straight back in the van. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So um, why are warm-ups and cool-downs important for agility dogs, in your opinion? So just rounding off those questions, I suppose. Um, Warming up, warming up the tissues. If you imagine that you've got a cold, brittle, elastic band that you've just found in your garden that's been left out there all winter, Mm. it goes really stiff. And then you put it and it just snaps. Yeah, but yeah. you're like, oh, it's an elastic band. Why is it just snapped? Yeah. That, like, think of that as your your muscles, your tendons and your ligaments yeah. in your dog's leg. That's a really good analogy, right. actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah, whereas if you bring that elastic band that's been frozen, you bring it indoors, you let it warm up, you, mm-hmm. it then goes back to stretchy. Yeah. That's the same thing with a dog, mm-hmm. roughly, obviously. Pretty much. <laughs> they're, obviously, I'm not saying they're cold sitting in the van. Yeah. But they're not active. They're mm-hmm. not 
warmed up in the sense of they're ready to go they're firing they've just got out of the vehicle and you're going to go make them run around jump and twist and do the dog a-frame the weaves Mm. and that elastic band is only starting to warm up at obstacle 12 yes yeah so between obstacle 1 and 12 it could snap or tear or stretch and they go oh it's not ready to stretch yet you're forcing it Mm, you go and warm it up they'll be nice and stretchy ready to go Mm. And with cooling down is you want that cool down to be gradual. You want them to go and stretch off. If they've just been running around and they've been jumping this, that and the other, their muscles are pumping full of blood. Mm-hmm. And then you go, go and lay down now. Yeah. <laughs> and stay there age and don't move. Mm-hmm. They end up becoming stiff. Yeah. Is that kind of like, because you're hearing humans, like a, a buildup of lactic acid, is it? So the lactic acid sort of builds up while they're doing the exercise and then you need to sort of cool it out, like cool it off afterwards is that kind of yeah it's like a a stitch as such so um i can't say whether a dog can feel a stitch or not yeah (laughs) but um yeah so they'll have a build-up of all products and everything within their system as they're Mm. going through their aerobic anaerobic exercises um so when they come out the ring they need to cool all of that off they need to let the adrenaline cool down Mm -hmm. not cool down but Calm ease down. off yeah. they need to calm down themselves their muscles are like ready they're pumping they're firing mm-hmm. waiting like where are we going where are we going what are we yeah. doing when actually you just want them to switch off relax mm-hmm. um, otherwise they'll just kind of not get stuck in contraction but they're constantly firing and you don't want that when they're just still and laying there because yeah. then they're going to just lay there mm-hmm. and they're still doing that yeah and that's that, true and then when you get them out for their, obviously they have like four runs in a day. When you then get them out yeah. for their next run, they've gone all stiff because you didn't cool them down from yeah. the last one. So I suppose yeah. it could be harder to warm them up again or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. So it's a vicious circle. There's no point warming up if you're not going to cool down. Yeah. There's no point. Well, I'm not saying there's no point cooling down, but they, they go hand, hand in hand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So where where am i what kind of exercises do you recommend for improving an agility dog's fitness e.g speed power strength flexibility etc so i don't know this isn't obviously going to be specific to agility dogs i think it's just in general yeah but as you say like when you're out on a walk making them wait sprinting after the ball just Mm -hmm. doing like natural sprint work they do it I know a lot of collies do, mine all do. They only have to stand there and one moves, they all just shoot off. Yes, run, yeah, definitely. Running off. It's getting them doing it in a natural life as well, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, endurance, take them out on walks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> agility dog, they, agility shouldn't be their life. Yeah. They should have. Let them do normal things. Yeah. Um, obviously, you can do it whilst in training. You can have grids, you can do bounce grids, which are good for power. In the hind end, you can increase the grid size so that you're mm. making them stretch out, increasing their stride length. There's loads of things you can do, mm. um, but I don't have time to say all yeah, of them. True. They are going to be specific to each dog. Yeah. So when they so, said strength, so like we go to the gym and lift like progressively heavier weights to build muscle and stuff. So yeah. how would you do that with dogs? How would you build strength and sort of muscle with dogs because you can't obviously get them to lift weights <laughs> no so obviously it's opinion based mm-hmm. and exercises i see as like your sit to stands your mm-hmm. wobble cushions your 
whatever you want, you're allowed to work, whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. I do all of that when my puppies are younger, mm-hmm. not puppy puppies, but like growing up before they're just doing foundation work. They're growing. They haven't got masses of muscle yet. Yeah. And more for like proprioception work, I think is really important, mm-hmm. especially for agility dogs, knowing where their feet are. You have so many people say, oh, they've got no hind end awareness. Oh, well, yeah. teach it then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. where all of your conditioning stuff comes in. And that may build muscle in the meantime yeah. for dogs that don't have a lot of muscle. Mm-hmm. But when you've already got a three, four-year-old competing, so a good level, doing sit-to-stands three times a week isn't going to do much when they're already at the level that they are. Yes, no, that's true, yeah. And Because you can't, you can't add weights. So if you was to just do body weight squats... 10, 12 reps three times a week, just bodyweight squats, after a certain time, is not going to do anything. No, yeah. So, But obviously you can't then put a weight on the dog's back, so... (laughs) Exactly. So we will then add weight or you add resistance. You can't do that with an animal. It's cruel. So I'm not saying that doing conditioning exercises doesn't do anything. There's just not a lot of research. And also, how can you progress it? You're not going to make a dog just add on five reps every week because you'll be there at 45 reps. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And the dogs will be like, why are you doing this to me? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, but, and and you said about proprioception. So, again, like you can do that like on walks, can't you? Like naturally, like climbing onto like logs and and walking through paths and stuff like that. Literally, proprioception is anything to do with a stimulus and how the body receives it so Mm -hmm. that can be going for a walk in the woods walking on crunchy leaves hopping over a log walking through a stream a river they're all having to respond and adapt to what they're on yes yeah Mm -hmm. walking over a bridge like they go because they can see the floor it's it can be anything proprioception work you can specify it by doing conditioning exercises Mm -hmm. so i've put them on a wobble cushion or a wobble board you want that balance and that core strength yeah you can work on that but actually building muscle mass on an already fit dog Mm. is quite cool if you've got a rehab case or a dog i don't know that's got a lot of atrophy from an injury Mm -hmm. obviously you can target that muscle yes yeah build muscle but if you've already got a fit agility dog that's just going for maintenance Mm -hmm. it's competing at a good level it's fit it's healthy just keep doing what you're doing yeah yeah and i suppose puppies like you take them or not puppy puppies like you said but young dogs you know you take them on their walk and they do that anyway you know you don't have to like do a little training because you're not meant to train them that much when they're little but they're actually already getting some sort of training um in quotation marks just by going on walks and doing you know, you're not forcing them to do anything. They're moving how it's comfortable, but they are kind of already doing some stuff. Yeah, definitely. So mm. it's even going from long grass to short grass. Yeah. yeah. Going from carpet to a laminate floor, mm. if you've got a flooring. It's, mm-hmm. There's loads of stuff you can do without having to have specific exercises, without having to go out and buy conditioning equipment. Yeah. I'm not saying bad. I'm not saying you're doing anything wrong mm-hmm. at all. If you do, like, that's great. I'm just saying that you don't have to do all of that stuff in yeah. order to get proprioception. You can have them in your body. You can walk them on the lead, getting them weaving in and out with mm. your body. It's loads yeah. of stuff. Even your agility poles, getting them going over that. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, that's proprioception, mm-hmm. and we do that anyway. Yeah, exactly. So flexibility then, what kind of stuff would you do for 
flexibility because obviously like you know tight turns weaves they have to be quite bendy um yeah. and i've my ethel's physio sorry um she said to do like i can't remember what they were called it's something you do in horses where you get a treat on their nose and like bring it round to their bum so they're like in a in a circle and that's stretching like this part of them down here as they turn away from it so stuff yes, like that like for a, flexibility a stretch yeah um obviously you'll probably know because I know you go to the gym stretching after you're mm -hmm. releasing all those muscles yeah and not allowing them to get tight you're realigning all the fibers mm -hmm. um and stretch off which will then allow them to elongate so you can move more yeah. so in the sense yes that increases flexibility mm -hmm. I think some dogs in agility you'll go oh they can turn look how beautiful and tight they can turn how did you teach that yeah I can teach dogs the exact same way to turn tightly and one will and one won't Yes. Yeah, I know that's Some true. dogs are not made to turn. Yeah, yeah. Turn like tanks. <laughs> they turn like tanks and it could be their mental capacity. They just don't want to slow down and you've yeah. got to break that, that barrier, that force, and you can through training. It's not that they can't be flexible. It's more a training method of they don't want to turn. Yeah, yeah, uh, true. Weaves, you've got some big dogs. I teach a massive... Oh, what is she, like a Boularond, I think she is. Oh, wow. Okay. Like, she really struggles with weaves because she's so bloody big. Yeah, like, yeah. It's not that she can't be flexible. She can turn lovely on a wing wrap. Yeah. But she can struggle with because she's so big. She doesn't yeah. have, body doesn't give, mm. like a blinky collie. Yeah, so it's just kind of how it is. Yeah, it's not that you can't train it. So you can do, like, um, some people use, like, proprioceptive wrapping on the dog to mm. allow them to be more aware of their body. Yes, uh, yeah. You, there's loads of different training courses out there and methods of how you can get a tighter turn by getting them to physically stop before they take the jump. Yeah. Uh, so that they learn to slow down. Mm. I don't... Some dogs are rubbish at turning. Yeah. <laughs> Bless them. It's luck of the draw. Yeah. <laughs> if you naturally good one, mm. great. <laughs> True. Does being flexible and working on flexibility also prevent injury in some sense? So... It's a hard one because you want a dog to be nice and bendy. You mm -hmm. want them to be flexible. You want them to be able to do backside S lines and you want them to be able to weave nice and quickly and be nice and bendy and yeah. turn tight, mm -hmm. obviously, because that's how you get the quickest times yeah. in conjunction with speed. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you don't want them to be too bendy. Yeah, like, true. They need a bit of bone. They need a bit of strength. Mm. They need that muscle. If you just have like a really slinky bendy ruler and you're trying to measure something and it's just it's yeah, not going to work mm -hmm. you want flexibility to a certain extent but you don't want hyper flexibility yeah true because then your joints are going to go past where they need to be and yeah they're nice and bendy and they can turn tight but they've also got to take a lot of force through their body yeah they're going to don't want them overextending. Mm. you don't hyper extending through the back that can cause injury mm. as well so it's a very fine line yeah because you can get, like, double-jointed people, can't you? Is that a thing you can get in dogs? I'm assuming it's the same uh, thing, but I've never really seen a double-jointed dog, but I know some people say that they are. I don't know if it's classed as double-jointed. You can say they're, like, hypermobile or yeah. hyperflexible. Um, you'll see a lot of pictures of, like, slinky collies going over a jump and they're hyper-extended through their back. Oh, they're actually yeah. on the wrong oh, way. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, wow. Or you see a dog land and through their carpals, like their wrists, they're really hyperextended through there. Yeah. Obviously, that can cause as much injury as mm. a dog. Because you see Not some flexible. collies with, like, their wrist straps on. Is that something to do with that? 
Does that like prevent them um, from hyperextending their wrists? I think a lot of them put um, like stopper pad straps on. Oh, okay. Um, especially for like Astro, they scuff their stopper pads. Oh, I see. Okay. Oh, so, so it's more to do with the pads than the actual wrist. Yes. Yeah, so oh, okay. A lot of people wrap the stopper pads because when they're landing, they're scuffing oh, the stopper pads. Oh, okay. But, yeah, people do use like um, like wrist supports and carpal yeah. support dog and mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, that can be like you'd put an ankle strap on. Yeah, true. Is that they, um, do the dogs actually have issues when you see that, or is it more just prevention? Some people like to, you know, prevent issues or do you reckon? Um, I think it's dependent. Some people, if they know that they've got like extending carpals in the dog, mm-hmm. they can put straps on to maybe help prevent something. Yeah, true. Um, or if they've had an injury there, it's to support it, like we would in ourselves. I mm-hmm. think. Yeah, people will use them yeah. if they want to. Yeah, true. Each their own again. So what kind of conditioning do you recommend for maintaining an agility dog's fitness? So again, that's a separate question, but I suppose it'd be the same as the last question. So conditioning. So sort of for for you, like what could you define conditioning for you? So most people will have like conditioning exercises Mm -hmm. as your wobble cushions, your stacking blocks, Mm -hmm. all of your conditioning equipment that you'll see from like Toto Fit and Fit Paws. Yeah. Uh, sit to stand exercises mm-hmm. etc uh that is your conditioning work okay i'm not saying that doing it isn't going to help there's just not a lot of research if it would for an already fit dog okay yeah so again but, it's kind of just like a way of maintain maintaining the fitness yeah so obviously my youngster wicked had really bad core strength and posture i know she did like she'd be all floppy when she sat and whatever but they're yeah. puppies mm-hmm. um putting them on wobble cushion and you can google conditioning exercises if you want and there's a lot of good resources out there on how to perform them and stuff yeah um using wobble cushions for her her hind end awareness she's got long mm. gangly legs yes so i did all of that sort of stuff but isn't she's got hind end awareness now yeah she knows where it is and then my normal agility training is going to keep on top of that yeah um, Time would get quite tight in like her hip flexors and stuff. So mm-hmm. I knew that. So throughout competing, I'd maybe do some stretches, get her parking her back legs on a block and getting her to walk out so yeah. that she's stretching that out. Mm-hmm. So it's not that there's anything specific exercises like do those for agility dogs. It's going to be very dog dependent mm-hmm. and some may not need conditioning exercises all the time. Yeah, yeah. And like but, with Arrow, he, like you said, he sits and he always has done since a puppy but when he sits his le- his back legs are like that sort of splayed out it's like a really yeah. floppy sit so his physio has said to do um sit to stands on like a board that is sort of the width of his body and reward him yeah. for standing but keeping his legs in line with the rest of his body to- so i suppose that's an example of a conditioning exercise that's you yes. know specific for him because that's his problem a hundred percent so that is he his posture is poor when he sits. Let's yeah. improve that. Mm-hmm. There's not going to be a conditioning exercise. Like if you go out on agility course, I don't know, they're bad at threadles. There's not going to be a conditioning exercise that's going to help no. with that. <laughs> no, It's going to be your dog's natural posture. That's what conditioning's yeah. mm. And it's often, you notice these problems, well, not problems, but these little things like arrow, how arrow sits. You don't notice that during agility. You notice that just in day-to-day life anyway. So regardless yeah. as whether he did agility or not that's still something 
that would be there. Yeah. You'd be able to I'm not saying that, that his sit posture is bad. You improve it with your conditioning exercise and now he's got really good sit posture that is not, it will or won't affect how he works in agility. Yeah. It would be that by doing that, he's improved his core strength and he knocks less poles. Yeah, like, yeah. They can go hand in hand, but it's not going to be doing sit to stand is going to help with this specific thing. It's going to be improving the dog's posture and natural abilities Mm. that's not related to agility, saying that it can't help it. There's not going to be any specific conditioning exercises that I can say all agility dogs should do these conditioning exercises to help them with performance. Yeah. So do you think going off on a bit of a tangent but it's interesting so knocking poles then because i know a lot of dogs have that you know it's frustrating knock poles you can't really train them out of knocking poles you said about core strength is that do you think dogs with poor core strength will knock more poles if you think obviously i'm used to running a large dog but for any dog um i'm not going to say maybe not so much in smalls but you've got to think especially large dogs not intermediate as much but Large, large dogs, they're jumping above their height. So mm. like a normal collie that's in large, they've got to propel themselves like quite far up to yeah. get over the jump. Yeah, true. If I was going to do that, I know I can feel it in my abs. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I've, like, 100%. Um, what is it, a high high jump or something? Where you oh, throw yeah, yourself yeah, up. like sideways, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I used to do that in school. Oh, okay. Like you can feel it in, like you need to be able to keep your body together. Yeah. That's the same with dog mm-hmm. um so it's not obviously just core strength it can be anything i'm not saying you can't train a dog out of knocking poles um i think there's many different ways and i won't go into that because that's more dog training aspects yeah. but i'll mark poles if i've got a pole knocker mm. like pick your feet up yeah yeah <laughs> but obviously everyone's going to be different and that's a completely different aspect but physio based yeah obviously if i'm gonna make my dog nice and fit I want a nice fit dog that's going to improve core posture, that's going to improve their flexibility, their muscle mass, their power, their everything that I would do naturally to build up to be a, being able to jump full height for a 20 off school course. Yeah. And so. again, it's probably more of a training thing, but Arrow did not pose for a while. And uh, Lucy, my trainer, uh, said at home to set up a jump on small and just sitting right close to the pole, like, just, like, as if he was going round the jump and then had to take off, because he was doing it on, like, either tight turns or round the back because he was knocking the yeah. poles. So just sit him, like, before he gets to the pole and have his ball on the wing and then say go. So he literally has to push off straight from that sit to actually go yeah. over it. And the first time I was doing it, he was knocking them all, but then obviously he got more used to it and thought, oh, I've actually got to pick my feet up if I'm going to make it because he didn't have that run up. So I suppose that's yeah, exactly. kind of a, so a little conditioning thing, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. Mm. So it's that propulsion. Yeah. So yeah. they've got to, from their hind legs, push off and carry their whole body through to go yeah. over the jump, whether that's mm-hmm. straight over or on a turn. Yeah. You see a lot of dogs, in order to come in and turn nice and tightly, they're decelling, they're getting right deep under the jump in order mm-hmm. to come up. Yeah. You think of the strain on their body and how much they have to use of their body to in order to do that. Yeah. So, it's the same, yeah, obviously he's a young dog. He's mm. not going to have the perfect everything and he's not going to be in his absolute peak fitness. Yeah, exactly. They build up to that over time. Mm-hmm. So it, 
keep going doing exercises like that it's that propulsion work so yeah it's not that's where I meant in the conditioning work there's not to be specific exercises it's that are related to agility the best way for training agility is by doing agility yes yeah exactly and that's another thing like some people say oh um dogs are in their peak when they're a bit younger like what four whatever three four whatever because they're young and fit but at the same time I think you know people kind of think that they'll get they'll slow down as they get older but in a sense do you think it's possible that they actually get fitter as they get older maybe like seven eight because they've had more of these sort of conditioning things and just more experience doing agility so they've actually their bodies have actually got better at doing agility as they've got older I 100% think that age fitness and experience all come hand in hand Mm. but I think most dogs are going to peak at like five, six, seven, or even six, yeah. seven, eight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You'll see and go, oh, my God, look at this dog. Like, it's an eight-year-old and it's beat a two-year-old in chat. Yeah, yeah. They're so more experienced at what they're doing. Mm. They're so better at their jobs. Yeah. They may not have the explosive speed that a three-year-old's going to have and their complete energy, but they're so much more experienced with their bodies. They're going to know what they're doing so much more. Yeah. You're going to ask them, they know exactly their own stridings their own patterns of how deep to go into a jump in order to take off to have the most effective landing and tight turn Mm. a young dog isn't possibly going to have that yeah so that kind of takes away that thing where people are like oh you know um the feeling like you need to rush the training and stuff like that you know you've got to if you've got till the dogs what six seven eight to peak then there's absolutely (laughs) no rush is there most dogs will peak yeah like six seven Mm. eight yeah That's interesting. But again, back to what you're saying about core strength, how I suppose it does make sense because when the dog, you know, he has to kind of, they have to keep all their sort of limbs kind of together, do you know what I mean, to not knock the pole. So to keep their feet up, they do kind of have to tense their core, I suppose. 100%. It'd be the same of if you was going to... So obviously on a straight line, a dog mm. will extend, should extend their hind legs. Yeah. But if you're going on a turn and stuff, they can extend, but a lot of them will tuck up over a turn. Yeah. If you are on a trampoline or even just standing there and you go to do a tuck jump mm. and you had no core, like imagine you had no abs, like you physically cannot do You can't that. put your knees up. No, yeah, that's yeah. true. It's like the exercise that the gym people do where they sort of hang like that and then, what is it, yeah. like leg raises? So they, do you know what yeah. I mean? That's all core, isn't like, it? Everyone goes, oh, but that's moving their legs and the hips. It's not. It's no, tensing. No, it's core, yeah. Or, yeah. That. No, 100%. Yeah. So this isn't on the questions, but what do you think, just quickly, about measuring? So some dogs measure, don't they? Or that's what people yeah. call it. So where they're running up to a jump and then they, like, tuck up a little bit, do a, like add loads of little strides in and then sort of bounce with their legs tucked. What, you know, what do you think causes that and how do you I not think get them to do that? I think that's very different for all dogs. So mm. um, my little old man now, dude, he only had two seasons in the ring, oh, jumping at okay. fine, started really badly measuring, mm-hmm. dunking out of jumps, not going in them. He was like weaving fine, doing the tunnels. He was happy in himself, but he was not jumping properly. Oh, okay. And done that before. Mm-hmm. My first port call was go to my physio. Yeah, 100%. Get checked over. Um, and he seemed fine. Okay. There was no wrong and I was like mm, oh, okay maybe it's a confidence thing put mm. the jumps back down because he, he was always very nervous but jumps back down and he was still measuring still ducking out um okay. so I took him to the vet they couldn't find anything wrong and then our last port of call was to go and get his eyes checked mm. maybe his eyesight's going yeah and he got really bad dry eye oh wow okay eyes so oh. maybe his vision 
look good. Yeah, so he couldn't see when it was coming. Yeah, Yeah. so he stopped. um, I stopped with agility anyway. Mm. He did compete for a little bit and he was fine because he'd have, like, good days and bad days. Like, if his eyes were feeling fine like his his vision wasn't really affected it was as the um he would keep getting ulcers and then obviously that over time affected his oh, vision oh okay oh bless you you're not know that yeah yeah <laughs> until guys there's loads of different reasons i've got a dog that i teach who just has a really poor jump action yeah he's done loads of grid work loads of maintenance work and he has got so much better but he would take off about 10 foot before yeah. the jump that was Ethel. She's always measured, but she had physio all the yeah. time, you know, condition exercise like every day. And she still did it a little bit. Like, again, you, we improved it, but she she was never going to yeah. jump like Arrow, for example, because she was built different. So, yeah. So there are some dogs that you're never going to stop from measuring. That's just yeah. what they do. But obviously you can help with jump technique and teaching them when to take off properly and actually teaching them to jump. I think yeah. a lot of people forget that. So a lot that of it's sort of a training issue. Yeah. Jump. yeah. Over an obstacle, like it doesn't. Mm. They're not born. They can go and jump over a log, obviously. Yeah. But when you put an obstacle in front of them and you expect them to do a course, they need to learn how to adjust. Their yeah. Bodies. I suppose agility is just unnatural for them, movement-wise. Anyway, do you get what I mean? So it's up to us to yeah. to train them to do it, I guess. Yeah, definitely. And like not just how to do the equipment, but how to do it sort of more efficiently and stuff like that. Yeah, and properly and safely. Yeah. And, yeah. Safely is definitely a big one. Yeah. So. What is your, oh, this is different. What is your opinion on joint supplements? Are they effective and a worthwhile investment? So I'm not a nutritionist, so I can't yeah. really comment too much. Yeah. But my opinion on them, um, I've got all of my dogs. I use Ryoflex. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Arrow's so on that. Obviously, there's loads of different ones, and mm-hmm. you can go out and do your research on what one you personally want to use. Mm-hmm. I've found from my own research, that Ryoflex is my go-to. So mine are all on the Ryoflex HA plus green lip muscle. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's what all of mine are on. Wicked, um, she will start next month. So I'm only starting her when she's two. Okay. Um, I don't know. It's just kind of like my personal preference. Like when she was younger, she was really gangly. She had really long legs. Um, she would walk a bit funny sometimes when she was tired, like her proprioception was a bit off. Mm-hmm. I actually did go and get all of her hind end and rear legs x-rayed because oh, okay. I'm walking like that. Oh. I didn't think there was possibly anything wrong, but she was, I was like, oh, she's just really grown up really quite fast. Yeah. And she's really tall. Nice to know She's well. really et cetera. Mm. Uh, I hadn't done too much proprioception work at that time. Mm-hmm. Took her to the vets, had her all x-rayed and she was absolutely fine. Um, I hadn't started her on joint supplements just because I think at that sort of age, they shouldn't be putting too much strain through their body. Yeah, so, so they joint need supplement, them. Yeah, I yeah. use as a preventative. Yeah, and obviously in all definitely. of my older dogs, a couple of them have got arthritis, etc. Mm-hmm. And we found like a massive difference with them Yeah. Uh, in how they are. So I think my personal opinion is I like to use them mm-hmm. as preventatives throughout their life. And obviously it helps them when they're older with their joints and yeah. mobility um, and collagen and their muscles and all of their proteins. Mm-hmm. Like we do it for ourselves. We go and have a protein shake after yeah. we go to yeah, the gym. Exactly. We eat good foods. We have broccoli because it's got certain vitamins in it. We mm. eat vegetables because it's good for us and gives us good um, vitamins and stuff. So I think it's no different for a dog. Yeah, no, that's very true. So I mean, I do invest in them, yeah. but I'm 
saying which one I use Rioflex, but there's loads of other ones that you can yeah. go to. John. Yeah, I mean, Arrow's only three and a half and I have him on it. Um, he started yeah. like a couple of months ago. but And obviously I haven't really noticed the difference because he was fit and well anyway, if that makes yeah. sense. Like he didn't have a problem to sort of get better from because of it. But it's kind of for my own peace of mind as well, thinking I'm doing the best I can for him. You know, as he gets older, um, I'm doing all the things to help him stay fit. So it's sort of more more for that as well, knowing that I'm doing everything I can for him even though we're putting all this pressure on their bodies and stuff, as long as we're doing everything we can to keep them sort of well, then that's all you can do, isn't it? A hundred percent, yeah. So I, I would use joint supplements. I'm going to put Wicked on from two years yeah. old because um, now she's starting to actually compete and do yeah. things. Mm-hmm. Um, but even Dude, I mean, he hasn't done agility now. He only had two years in the ring. Mm-hmm. So he retired at, what, like four, four yeah. and a half? Mm-hmm. And he's on joint supplements yeah yeah so, so you said, i wouldn't say just for agility dogs yeah i would all of ours are on it you said um your older dogs um did you say one or two have arthritis yeah yeah do you think agility dogs are more or ex-agility dogs are more likely to get arthritis when they're older than non-agility dogs or sporting dogs um no I wouldn't. Mm. Um, there's like a new bit of research out. I can't remember who done it, but it's like mo- there's um, a certain t- statistic of dogs over eight years old are more mm. prone to get arthritis. Mm. That's kind of common sense. Yes. They get older, etc. Um, dogs, some dogs from hereditary are more prone for like mm-hmm. hip dysplasia as a form of arthritis. Mm-hmm. So some dogs are more prone to it than others. Yeah. Some dogs never suffer from it and some will you can have same in people you can have a man that lives a very sedentary lifestyle works in an office never does sport never exercises and could be riddled with arthritis yeah when he's older not doing enough exercise (laughs) yeah Yeah. so there's not yeah i wouldn't say agility can cause more arthritis um one of mine has got it because he had his toe removed oh yeah Mm. so that has caused arthritis and it spread up his leg oh okay yeah yeah, and he's just a bit old, very stiff, quite clicky. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So it's yeah, I wouldn't say it's agility depending on whether they have or haven't done agility. Mm. I think it's nice to have yeah, joint supplements for any dog if you yeah. can, but also for our working dogs, yeah. I think they're Because as well, if dogs don't do enough movement like the other way around, that they can get issues from that as well. Do you get what I mean? As yeah, uh, if they don't move they, enough, then they can get problems just as bad as doing a lot of movement do you know what I mean 100 percent. Yeah. okay so where am I keep losing where I am oh so this one's more personal so did you always know that you wanted to become a vet physio all about no, you now <laughs> didn't so all of my life ever since I can ever remember I wanted to be a vet okay mm-hmm. like throughout most of school I literally don't think it was until like year 10 I didn't want to be a vet oh, okay. I wanted to be a vet like oh, that was okay Mm-hmm. I went and did like a six-week work placement mm-hmm. in my vets in year 10 over the summer. Yeah. just We had to go out and do work placement and I just carried it on. Mm-hmm. Um, and from that, I was like, I don't want to do this. No, yeah. <laughs> How come? Was it sort of the sort of sad aspect of I literally just think animals? like, yeah, like the every day-to-day stuff. Like I love dogs and I love horses. I don't yeah. particularly like cats. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not a fan of rabbits. yeah. Someone brought in a reptile, that's not oh, for me. No, yeah. Like, <laughs> I just think, or a rodent or something. Yeah. I just think, for a vet, it's very, 
you're like a GP. Yeah. Sense yeah. of they have to know a bit about everything, and yeah. they are very good. But unless you specialise, you just know a bit about everything. Yeah. I just mm. think, like when speaking to my vet, who I was doing work experience with, I knew him very well. Um, he was like, "This is your day to day stuff. Like yeah. it's admin. You've got consultations. That's pretty much it. You might have the odd surgery, mm. spay and neutering and stuff. Um, you get the odd exciting surgery that comes in. That sounds bad, but like an emergency surgery. Like my dog's had to have one. Yeah. Rush it the vet. He's like, that's an exciting day for everyone. <laughs> oh no. Like, otherwise, it's just sort of the same sort of stuff. And it's lovely. Obviously, they they do amazing work. I'm mm. not taking that away. Very good job. It just wasn't for me. I wanted to be a bit more involved, I think. Yeah. And, like, for me, I'm only, like, I do best at things I'm, like, properly interested in as well. So I yeah. do canine behaviour at uni because that's literally what I'm interested in and what I want to do. Whereas yeah. if I did something really, like, broader that I wasn't interested in, I probably wouldn't do as well. So, like, vets, yeah. if I was, if we were to study vet medicine, for example, and did a did a topic on reptiles, just wouldn't really be bothered. So I probably wouldn't do very yeah. well. <laughs> I'll be like, oh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah so no that just it didn't put me off I was just like mm, I'm gonna look for something where I'm a bit more active and involved in stuff and where I do agility I think um yeah I was wanted to be a physio because I didn't as I said like, I put my hands up I didn't really know that they were like a thing for agility yeah, stocks no I didn't yeah. when I started uh, time had an injury when she was mm, like three or four years old mm. uh, I trid on her foot by accident because oh, oh, no. she ran she was on the lead. She ran across to chase a cat yeah. near my house. I trod on her foot and slipped off it and ended up degloving her foot. So, like, Ooh. one of her toes, one and a half, like, the skin had completely torn oh apart and, like, her bone was exposed. Oh, it was horrible. a real traumatic day. Oh, <laughs> I felt awful. It was yeah. horrible. She was rushed to the vets and I had eight weeks until GB tryouts <gasps> and ten weeks until Olympia. Oh, God. And I was like, oh, my God. Um, and she had to be on, like, crate rest for four weeks because it, the skin only just about went back together. And where it was over the toe and stuff, they're like, you need to be so careful. Oh, wow. So I got in contact with a physio and she was being, like, lasered and treated as mm. much as possible. Like, a really progressed rehab, like, getting her pushed back through. And she came back and that was the junior year. Oh, um, okay. And I got on that year and oh, like okay. I did by that Olympia and stuff. So Thank God. from that, yeah. I was I want to do that. Yeah. So it's kind of a blessing in a weird way. <laughs> it made you figure yeah. out what you wanted to do. <laughs> yeah, Even definitely. So I don't like just agility based, but it was more obviously rehab injury, back into agility, seeing like my physio and how much she helped me. Mm. And obviously I stayed with her for ages until yeah. I moved. Um, yeah, I was like, that's what I want to do. I yeah. want to do that. Yeah, that's so cool. And then you do horses as well. Were you into horses like before dogs or because I know a lot of doggy people like horse rode before they did agility like I did when I was younger yeah. and stuff. Have you always enjoyed horses as well? Yeah, so I still ride now. Oh, so okay. I started riding when I was about seven. Oh, wow. Okay. And, um, yeah, so I always rode and et cetera, et cetera. And then obviously I was like, every Christmas, please Santa, can I have a pony? Yeah. I want to ride on a horse, like begging my mum all the time. Yeah. But obviously I was younger and mum was going to dog shows and she couldn't just leave me at home. So I had to come True. and I've run everyone else's dogs and juniors and mm -hmm. did that and the other. But I was like more into horses, I would yeah. say. And then my mum was like, well, you can either have more riding lessons or you can have a puppy. Oh, <laughs> As an 11-year-old, I was like, I want a puppy. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of like my deterrent to 
come back over. Oh, more okay. It's never that I had one over the other, but I think I, if I wouldn't have got dude, my mm-hmm. old boy, mm-hmm. and I didn't have my own dog, I think I would have turned probably more towards oh, horses okay. just because going like so obviously i love dog shows but going to a dog show just watching all the time is boring yeah no it's like crofts i hate going to crofts and not competing now competing it feels like boring in comparison doesn't it when you're not actually running 100 percent. like yeah i couldn't just go and watch all the time no yeah is is the physio like very similar then the horses like the dogs and the horses is it all literally the same principle or there or are there like big differences or is it pretty much all the same uh, it's the same principle as in whenever you do physio for an animal, your main aspect is how can I reduce pain, discomfort? Yeah. And then after it's getting them back to function. And then from mm. there is how do I progress function to improve performance? Yeah. So, yeah, it's the same aspects. There's maybe some different ways of going mm. about it. But Did you say you're a human th- uh, physio as well? Uh, so I'm a sports therapist. Oh, OK. So I basically did the musculoskeletal aspect of physio oh okay did you do that before the vet physio or after uh before so i did that as an undergraduate and then oh, i'm doing okay the, uh, postgraduate oh did you kind of want to do the humans and then change your mind and want to do the animals or was it just an so, extra i knew i always wanted to go on to do the animals yeah because that's gonna be like my main aspect mm. i think um but yeah for people i just wanted to be able to offer it as well so yeah. i think a lot of time with horses like you have riders yeah um, true um it's probably more so with horses but you'll watch where a horse is having a problem and it could be because the rider's got a problem and a oh, rider has yeah. influence on the horse mm. um so i wanted that sort of aspect but um i do like sports massage and stuff for people oh, i had a school okay. here at aci mm-hmm. i've got one then this year um for like handlers because i just think yeah like I take my dog religiously, well, I don't now because I can do it myself, but yeah. I took my dog religiously every four to six weeks for physio. Mm. Yeah, I'm there with like a really sore back or yeah. I've fallen off a horse and I've got a really bad shoulder yeah. and I never mm. did anything about it. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. We <laughs> so look after the dogs more than ourselves. Yeah, so I always look after the dog and I just think people don't look after themselves. Yeah. So I wanted to do it as well for an agility aspect mm. or agility handlers. So yeah, well, I've done... Had- I did um, a podcast with uh, Kurt um, yeah. and it was all about like handler fitness and stuff. But again, different topic, but I think people underestimate the handler aspect of it, definitely. And probably riders as as well for horses. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, like obviously uh, I haven't worked with Kurt, but well, I did actually in my first year of uni, I did, I think, with Kurt. But yeah. um, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not into the whole exercise <laughs> thing yet. You'll have to work. <laughs> and then second year of uni, I was, I was on it. But yeah, yeah first year was um, not for me. Yeah, <laughs> uh, too much partying, I think. Oh yeah, but yeah, got to do that, though, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. So I think for a lot of people, like my grandma is, she's next door, so I won't say it too loud. But she's sixty-seven. <laughs> okay. And she still does agility, and you see so many people like you don't have to be mega fit, this, that, and the other to agility. I'm not saying that. Yeah. But. It is a sport for us as well. Yes, like obviously, definitely. you can. Not everyone does it like that. You can stand in the middle, and it's insane the people mm. that do that. Yeah, I wish I had skills to teach my dog because so I'm quite lazy. <laughs> but I just think for the people that treat it as a sport, 
and I'm not going to go into the whole controversial thing of the elites and the not. Yeah. It doesn't matter. If you're running around, you're twisting, you're turning, you're doing front crosses and you're sprinting to beat them for a blind, etc. Mm-hmm. you're still using Yeah, it's exactly the same, isn't it, as for dogs and, yeah. you know, humans, but... So yeah. the next one, I think this person assumed that you had you have it as a business, but they put, do you have your own vet physio business or do you work for one? But you're still at uni, aren't you? So you don't I'm have... I'm still at uni yeah. till July, yeah. Okay. So I will be working for myself. I think most vet physios do. Yeah. Um, I will have my own business, but I'm hoping to work alongside my local veterinary practice. Um, mm-hmm. They've got an orthopaedic specialist there, mm-hmm. Um that covers most of Southern Lincolnshire, the, oh, the, okay. the hospitals. So they are my vets that I use. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping, I have had some chats with them. I just need to go and finalise things, but hoping oh, okay. to work alongside them, not like under their name, but yeah. to be physio for that practice. Yeah. So you finish so in July, do you? Pardon? You finish your course in July. Yeah, so I get my postgraduate diploma July, which mm-hmm. means I'm qualified and go out and work, and then I'm staying on for an extra year just to do my masters for a dissertation and stuff. Oh yes, that's it. How many years will it have been in total then? Is the to get the what just the vet physio? Yeah, all of it. Um, so I did a three year undergraduate mm-hmm. for my human because obviously you have to do that before doing a postgraduate. Yeah, and then I'm a three year postgraduate for vet physio. So I've mm-hmm. done it part time, obviously, so I can still work and stuff. So six years then? Six years. And then you'll yeah. do another for the Masters? Well, no, it'll be five years to be qualified and oh, six okay. years for the MSc. Uh, long time. <laughs> long time. <laughs> Can't wait to be out of education. I'm sick of yeah. writing science. Is it a big workload then, like for the vet physio? I'm assuming it's a lot of like science based sort of things. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so obviously, I did science at A level and then I would have done a lot of the science based stuff for my undergraduate as well yeah so it's principles of a muscle is no different in a dog than it is to a human this is very um so i at least have that to help me through because i haven't had a break i've just done it continuously it's yeah that's very true yeah the heavy workload yeah i did three years of uni i was like now i'm done (laughs) had enough (laughs) yeah so because i definitely knew i wanted to go and do vet physio there was no way i didn't and i was like do i have a year out just work do i just chill out i'm never gonna go back yeah that's what i I thought yeah yeah definitely so the very last question is what is your biggest piece of advice for handlers to keep their agility dogs fit and well so to summarize everything what is the one main thing you think um handlers should do to keep their dogs fit if you had to choose one thing Choose one. Can I not have two? I'll go on then, have two. <laughs> I'll have two. I was like, okay, just two one. biggest bits of advice. So, one is walk them. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Take them out on walks, let them have natural exercise, mm-hmm. let them have sprinting with the pack, or if they're an only dog, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Take them out on walks, let them have natural time. Mm-hmm. They'll be, you know, nice and fit, jumping over the logs or through the grass or getting the zoomies when they touch the sand or whatever. Yes. <laughs> especially um, if it's a wet walk zoomies when it's raining yeah <laughs> always yeah. happens um my dog dude if he finds like bark mm. like you know bits of bark he just gets the zoomies oh, bless him. That's so i don't strange. know why it's just no, always weird. bark Aww. yeah every time there's bark he just goes <laughs> mental um yeah so that's one mm-hmm. two Train regularly in the sense of you need to keep them jump fit. So jump yes. fitness is obviously separate. You can have a very fit dog, but it's that propulsion over jumps and stuff. Mm. So 
regular training not too much training but regular training if you're going to give them six weeks off make Mm -hmm. sure when you come back you're increasing the jump heights gradually you're getting them back into jump fitness don't Mm -hmm. just go and throw back in because you know my dog had two and a half years off she's still a very fit dog yeah very fit but she's not jump fit yes yeah there's a difference isn't there general fitness and agility fitness it's very different so yeah take them out on walks Mm -hmm. that you can keep a lot of fitness with that but also don't forget training regularly i mean it can be once or twice a week yeah Mm -hmm. oh some jump stuff yeah cool so just quickly again a bit of a tangent but walks you said about taking them on walks so if it's chucking it down and really slippery on the grass do you still take them for their off lead walks and let them run about or would you just do a lead walk if it's really wet stuff like that so I think it's different for everyone. Mm. I've got eight dogs that live in my house. Oh, wow. <laughs> we don't take them out for a walk in that day. Oh, hell's going to break loose. Yeah, this is very I mean, true. I've got a pet. If it's, I mean, like torrential rain, like it's horrible. Yeah. I've got a nice big paddock and we'll just, one, one of us, we mm. uh, draw the, who draws the short straw of getting wet, <laughs> yeah. will walk down the paddock, like they're off the lead, just to give them like a mooch, a yeah. pee and a poo, just so that they think they've been out. Yes, and they can come yeah. back in. I think a lot of the time with walking, it's that mental aspect yeah, as well. getting out of the house. Same as us, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. if their one and only thing in life is going and doing agility, like, mm. that's that's not very nice for them. No. Like, they have no let-up. They've got no kind of, like, release and natural... Yeah, that's work, isn't it? Not... Yeah. yeah. So agility should be fun and should be work. It doesn't mean that they shouldn't have be a normal dog. Yeah, that's it. Um. Yeah, so if it's just raining and it's wet, we don't. I'll still take my dogs out for a walk. Mm. Like if it's just normal rain or if it's wet on the floor, my dogs don't tend to tear around. Okay. Um, unless I don't know, I tell them to or something. Yeah, like if yeah. I'm ready to go, like obviously yeah. they're all going to spring. But otherwise, I can let them all off the lead. Mm-hmm. And just have a little mooch along. Yeah. See, for Arrow, if it's really rainy and slippery on the floor, I'll just take him on a lead. Like he'll always get his walks. But I'll keep him on the lead because he does tear constantly. Like yeah, he's just so one of those I mean, dogs like that is a very clumsy dog as well. Yeah. So I'm like, he'll pr- he's probably going to slip over and hurt himself. So when it's really wet, I just keep him on a lead usually and then let him off yeah. when it's, you know, if it's a bit like dewy on the grass, I'll let him off. But if it's like proper raining and slippery, then I'll keep him on a lead just because that's the kind of dog he is. But other than that, 100%, he's a flea. So it's dog dependent. It's yeah. literally like my two collies are complete opposites yeah time will walk next to me off the lead but she'll try and pull on a lead take her off and she's glued to my leg yeah um <laughs> we can, if she gets a bee in her bonnet she's mm. off and she's so clumsy she will slide over she'll fall over and do like like roll over herself and i'm just yeah, like that's what all right. are you doing? So <laughs> she's very much like she can stay on the lead until she calms down and then mm-hmm. she can go off for a mooch like at the end of the walk yeah and then, like when all the others will come in and she can then go off on her own yeah. um but yeah she's settled down quite a lot more now but mm-hmm. yeah so i think it's very dog dependent if you've yeah. got a dog that tears around like an idiot and mm-hmm. it's all wet and really slippery it's just being sensible common I think a sense lot of i suppose isn't it but yeah and every, i suppose everything even like physio everything is dog dependent isn't it like they're all so yeah. different so it's about knowing your own dog i suppose and using common sense <laughs> well that's it that's all the questions thank you very much for coming on thank you i hope it wasn't too long so that was my conversation with megan 
thank you to Megan for coming on the episode. That was a super helpful and interesting episode. I love everything to do with dog fitness and handler fitness. So that was a really cool conversation. And I hope you guys all learned as much as I did. So I guess I will see you all next Wednesday. But before I leave you, um, if you could follow me on all of the socials, I will leave them here on the screen on YouTube and down below in the description on Apple and um, Apple Podcasts and Spotify. That's the one. And if you could leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, that would mean the absolute world to me. And then you will never miss another episode if you follow along. So I'm active on all those socials every single day and do an episode on this podcast at 8pm every Wednesday. So I'll see you this time next week. Bye, guys.